Welcome to Unlocking Innovation, a podcast from EX3 Labs in 1871. We'll be talking to leaders in innovation about what keeps them ahead of the curve in today's atmosphere of rapid change and how they cultivate a culture of innovation within their organizations. I'm your host, Adam Wisniewski. The Illinois Science and Technology Coalition is a member-driven nonprofit whose mission is to track and strengthen the state's innovation economy. Today on Unlocking Innovation, we have ISTC President and CEO Mark Harris. We'll be talking with him about how ISTC's work helps corporations drive innovation through partnership with startups and advocates for policies to support research and technology and to develop the next generation of innovators. Mark, welcome. Great to be here. Excited to have you on. Um, we've known each other for a while now and uh, had a chance to see some of your really great work in action. Um, for the audience who's not familiar with ISTC, can you give a little bit of a background on the organization? Yeah. So it's funny. The organization was created in the late 80s, actually, by Governor Thompson, um, governor at the time, who I think really recognized that Illinois had a lot of really great assets in, in tech and research, but had never really kind of put it all together. So he created what was called the Illinois Co- Coalition. Um, and you said we're a member-driven uh, nonprofit that was very connected to the state, but it was really meant to be um, a vehicle to kind of align public and private partners and bring big federal projects into the state. So that was its initial mission. Um, and it helped with like tech commercialization and really thinking about how to unlock some of the discoveries at our campuses and, and bring them into the to the market. And then it sort of has ebbed and flowed through the years. So um, we had um, a bit of a hiatus uh, in the sort of uh, ter- time when there was a transition of administration with Blagojevich. And then we were revived under Governor Quinn in, in 2008. So we're kind of on this next 10-year wave, uh, we renamed the organization Illinois Science and Technology Coalition to make us a little more descriptive. But um, yeah, I mean, we've had, uh, I think what's exciting about the organization is that we always have evolved. Um, while, as you said, we, we really think about growing the research and tech community in Illinois, but every year it looks a little bit different. And I think we always try to stay up to speed with where are the gaps. Um, you know, we're an intermediary organization at our core, so we kind of think about how we can better fill um, what, what connections aren't happening that should and how we can do a better job just elevating you know Illinois' position um, as a tech hub. And for those of the, the listeners who aren't as familiar um, with some of the specific organizations that you work with or clients that you work with, um, can you talk a little bit about that and, and how that, that's transpired? Yep. So our members really come from two broad categories. The first is the academic sort of side of the house. So we, our members include um, eight, we have eight research universities in the state. So both public and private, you know, your UVI, UC, Northwestern, IIT, ISU, and NIU. And um, uh, we've actually had uh, some new liberal arts schools joining too. Um, so it's been it's been good, I think, to align the kind of academic strength in the state in, in kind of a, a neutral third party, which is what we do. And then uh, and then our two federal labs, of course, Argonne and Fermi. And then on the private side, um, we have a really great cross section of you know innovation driven corporations. So it's the, kind of the beauty of Illinois that we have so many diverse um, industry uh, represented here. So healthcare, IT, uh, manufacturing. Food and Ag. We have a lot of the heavy hitters in those um, in those spaces that are kind of our members and, and comprise our leadership as well. Absolutely, and I know the listeners can't see your office, um, but I, I walk past it on a, on a daily basis, and I had a chance to see all the really kind of large corporations that you work with from a logo perspective. Um, 
one of the things that that I'm curious about is is what drew you to this particular position and organization, and kind of a little bit about your your career path. Yeah, um, I always joke my uh, my my bachelor's is actually in in psychology and Spanish, so it's like my dear little secret. I'm a liberal arts major, but I'm running a, a science and tech <laughs> organization. Um, so my background really came out of uh, government and, and really public policy. So I did a fellowship in the governor's office um, after going abroad after college. And that really was in the first sort of part of my career where I, I stayed with government. So I, I worked for the Illinois Department of Commerce for about four years and did a lot in, I mean, that's really what the Commerce Department is, is growing, the, the sort of economy in Illinois. And I did a, a lot with, with tech at that time. And then I left state government um, and went to the University of Chicago. So I worked in the Polsky Center. Um, and I love it too because I was there. I was there before the Pulse is what it is now. So it was, it's really been nice to see the evolution of of just what a space like that can do across across campus. So I uh, was there, um, and uh, and then I came back into government, uh, never thinking I would. I, I had a kind of an interesting opportunity to um, work for Governor Quinn to be his deputy chief of staff. So I did that for about two years, and um, and then yeah, what was I think interesting is this position. Um, and this organization, as I said, is very unique in the state of Illinois because it's kind of got one foot in like the policy side of the house, but then it also certainly is very much, you know, about programs and and being out in like the tech community. So it was the, to me the best of both worlds. It kind of blended both of that. Um, so when there was a transition happening in leadership here, I sort of jumped at the chance. Um, so that was 2012. So this is actually the longest job I've ever had. I just having a lot of fun over here. So yeah, been sticking with it and making a huge difference too. So one of the things I know that ISTC does really well is is connect corporations with startups. Can you talk a little bit about why that's important and, and why corporations come to you specifically to, to look to partner with companies that don't, may only be a year old, that uh, only have a few people and maybe not even a ton of revenue? Yeah. No, and to back up, that's exactly – I mean, I think we – we had recognized about five, six years ago that there was a real gap in exactly what you're saying. And, and the, the landscape has certainly changed in the last, you know, even couple of years. But when we were setting out to, to do this, and again, as an organization, we we were very much, we're nimble and we can sort of think about what gaps we want to solve. And so this was a real disconnect we saw that was happening. And, and actually, I should give a credit to the Governor's Innovation Council and Brad Keywell, who was chairing the Innovation Council at that time, that really helped to you know, just think about why is it that our big companies, you know, at that time very much kind of suburban, cloistered in the suburbs, not connecting with our universities and our startups and, and the broader entrepreneurial community. So we kind of just took it upon ourselves to develop a program that would almost be like a you know matchmaker on steroids where we could be that kind of conduit to better connect um, and, and in a very curated way, I think, doing doing the hard, heavy lifting. So, yeah, so I'd say big companies were looking increasingly outside their walls to innovate. Mm-hmm. And I think young companies, as we know, need customers and access to sort of the problems that maybe need solving. So... We we developed a, a process that would allow that to happen in a more kind of seamless way, um, and so I can get into maybe the detail of how it works. But I think from a, from the outset, you know, when we started this, it was new, and as a nonprofit, not a lot of people were doing it, and so we got some great successes and some visibility. Um, and and I think we've learned a lot along the way about just how corporation is going, but also just what you know early stage companies kind of need um, to move forward and I think we we obviously think a lot about the university startups and the, the those that are maybe coming out of the research context that um, 
it's very important for them, I think, to find uh, partners in in the right way that they they're helping to kind of a, a determine what really problem they're solving for, which is really any business kind of looking to do. Absolutely. And so, is the is the genesis of the relationships between kind of the the universities, the corporations, and the startup? It is. Does it start with the university? No. So thanks. I'll, the way the process really works is it starts with the corporations, and this was a huge learning for us because instead of sort of pushing out like, look at all these great startups or look at all these great technologies we have, it was sort of a reverse engineered process where companies basically started with these are like the you know five to eight challenges we're really having, and these are the technology areas that we really think are going to be transformative to our business, or this is what's going to help us get to our customer better, faster, and serve them in a way that that we currently don't. So they, the way the process works, it's a six month, five to six month engagement. Corporations start with sort of identifying these opportunity areas and we get very granular with them. We need to have a cross-functional team. Sometimes we work with a particular business unit and that's great. Sometimes we work with kind of a team that has more of an enterprise wide kind of view, but they put on the table these very specific areas. Um, and then we, in essence, um, go to our network of referral partners. There's about we have almost a hundred now to curate the most relevant. So it's a little bit like this, where I kind of call us a matchmaker where they tell us these opportunity areas. And then we go out to our university partners, both kind of the tech transfer side of the house and the, and the kind of entrepreneurship center, uh, the venture community, the incubators, accelerators, the co-working spaces. Um, you guys were, were, I think a referral partner or you guys got referred to, to us as well. Um, and yeah, and I think we do the diligence that I think is oftentimes hard. We we really see how closely calibrated they are to the to the what the company's telling us they need. Um, we sort of look at management team and financials and you know all of the kind of who, what's the competitive landscape um, to provide that intelligence to the back to the corporation that goes into a portfolio. So usually that's around forty to fifty. Um, companies and of course startups is a is a bit in quotes that sometimes it's really early stage sometimes it's even at the academic juncture it's all about the company's you know comfort level of where they want kind of a, a stage of growth based on the company or based on the problem that they're looking to, to maybe have have solved and then they determine the typically it's ten that gets selected to come on site for a private sort of demo day where an empowered group of decision makers at the company can quickly in a morning assess these sort of invite-only companies, hear them pitch, and determine how they might want to partner going forward. Um, and so that's what's been exciting because it's been this sort of spectrum of outcomes that we've seen along the way that it could be a you know, pilot engagement where maybe they're doing an experimental uh, partnership over kind of a short period of time. Maybe it's a joint development. Maybe it's a, a technology that they want to kind of embed a little bit more and do some sort of um, you know, validation of all the way up to a path to investments or a contractual relationship. So it's sort of wasn't, it didn't, we didn't go into it with sort of one prescribed outcome, but just that there could be a lot of rich interactions that happen after the, the demo day. And of course a fast no is as good as a yes, which is we always say to a startup, like we don't want to waste anyone's time, you know, anyone's time here. We want to be very intentional about saying, okay, is this something that could move forward? And then from the corporate side, really taking the steps to, to do that. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm curious, who are the primary stakeholders on the business side that you interact with? Because the, the way you describe that, I'm thinking, wow, you could be dealing with business leaders that are looking to, to solve a problem within their organization, but also you could be dealing with the technical folks as well in IT or whatever kind of department they're in. Because if they're looking to solve a technical challenge, then 
it's clear that they want to head down a path of a specific technology, whereas maybe the business person is a little bit, a little bit less savvy on the tech side but has a business challenge they know need, they need to solve. And that's kind of where you probably come in, right, with recommendations? Yeah, well, and that's why we kind of add, we need that cross-functional team at the beginning because I think the closer we get to the business unit and to the problem, the better, I think, the better these partnerships do kind of emerge. Um, but, I mean, you're right. I mean, it really, companies all are set up in different ways. So sometimes they have an innovation officer or, you know, a CTO that kind of embed, try to embed some of this activity. Um, other times... You know, a specific unit might be very ripe for partnerships, and so we kind of focus on 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 there. Um, the corporate venture folks have also kind of been at the table um, when we've done this before. Um, so yeah, it has kind of it certainly varied, but I, I think the the key for us is to not put anything on the table that wouldn't an opportunity on the table that wouldn't have. Um, sort of a path forward. So whatever that looks like in their own internal process, um, I think what we learned through this, of course, is some, so you know, some corporations, corporations is a second nature. They're used to doing these kinds of things. Others, this is really foreign. I mean, right. we worked with, I don't want to call any, I mean, worked with some insurance companies where like risk like this is not rewarded, um, you know, and doing these experimental things are really like out of their comfort zone. Yeah. And because of that, right, they don't have maybe a procurement process in place or, you know, legal is a challenge. So I think there were a lot of internal obstacles oftentimes that can get in the way. Um, so part of what we helped, to, at least at the outset, try to even lay out um, is sort of who's the team that would help move this forward um, should a partnership you know, emerge on it. So I think there, it's important to sort of, from a company standpoint, to sort of even what are the like infrastructure that they have in place to, to do some of this as well. Absolutely. So with all the great companies that you work with, is there any one that kind of success story that kind of you feel is is a good representation of of, of how um, ISTC works with startups and corporations and universities. Yeah, I mean, a couple jump out. I would say our, our most maybe the most well known win came out of our first round. It seems like forever ago now, actually, because it was 2013 uh, when the demo day happened. But Molex, um, uh, in their demo day, was a company called New Current, which does wireless charging, and, and they're a fantastic company. Um, and they, it, you know. Partnered with them and uh, and learned, you know got to know them through that through the process that we established and then a year later invested in them and brought their technology in house and and led to kind of an interesting partnership there. Um, I think the other one that jumped out to me is Caterpillar. Um, they just this was second nature to them. So like their demo day was like a hundred you know executives and I didn't even say executive hundred of the technical team, their, their kind of R and D team came, they had an app that they had sort of crowdsourced real time feedback. So all the startups got really rich feedback about like, you know, and if it's a no, I mean, I think for them, it was gold for, to hear like from all these startup or excuse me, all these, all these cat sort of engineers about like why this coding would not work for them or what it would need to do to really kind of, um, pique their interest. So there was a lot of, I think the, the more again, just like second nature it is for, for a company to feel like, you know, this is a natural part of, of business now and innovating and, you know, bringing in outside minds to kind of come in. Um, sorry, I'm going to jump around a couple others that, that really come to me. One was actually interesting. It was ADM had some R and D challenges and, um, or one particular that we were sourcing for. And so we went to sort of the PI level, which was the first time we'd gone you know deeper into the universities. And it was, was really interesting to us because it was, they ended up partnering with Northwestern, but they didn't have really any, you know, you would say, I guess from our perspective, right, Northwestern is one of our top research universities in the state. I mean, world-renowned research university. ADM is our number one, you know, private, or excuse me, public company. 
And just, I don't know, you just think sometimes, like, surely you guys know of each other and that there's synergies here. And right. it was literally like, Northwestern, what, tell us more about, you know, what. <laughs> so it was, I don't know, I don't sure. mean to be, Medium's a phen- phenomenal company and they're global and they have tons of university partnerships. But I think we, it was a, it was a, a bit of a, a moment for us where these don't just happen on their own. Like, you kind of, and that's really what has underpinned our work. Like, you have to really, it's a ground game a little bit to sort of find those pairings. And it's not always going to, you know, it's not always going to be happen. It's not always going to happen easy. It's not going to be magic when you do it. But when you find the right partners, you know, there is so much that can happen. And, and I think we just have used this process to sort of find those kind of needle in a haystack partnerships. What I love about what you do is that with such a large business innovation in tech ecosystem in Illinois, there are, I'm sure, hundreds of scenarios of large companies that just don't have the exposure to some of the, the great work a university is doing, a great work a startup is doing. So I, I love the fact that you you all help to, to bridge that gap because I think it's an important need. Um, talk to me about kind of where you think relationships with corporations are going to go within the next three to five years. Does ISTC, the way it operates today, look the same or does it grow and evolve um, in the next three to five years. Yeah, I think we are, you know, re- rethinking the program actually right now. Um, and it really gets to what you just said. I think we're the last couple rounds of our of our process. We have expanded the circle, so it isn't just Illinois; it's it's Midwest and even national. And I think that's the reality for companies, right? If you're in Illinois, great, you know. But at the end of the day, they're looking for you know the best companies or the most innovative or interesting to them um, that can help them, regardless of where they are. I mean, we've even had a few global companies participate in this. Right. So I think that's you know is just the reality of although we're Illinois centric, you know, global corporations go anywhere uh, for innovation. Um, in terms of where things are going, I think we've learned a lot about just the importance of. Uh, kind of demystifying the buzzwords. So obviously right now, like AI and machine learning is a huge area. And that has come up really on all of almost all of our, uh, all the companies that we've, we've worked with. Um, but I think in part, you know, companies or blockchain is another interesting one too, where it's sort of like companies are observing these trends, but they're from a distance saying like, I need to understand just what is, what is, what is it? What is, the, what is the market look like for this now? And how will it impact my business or how could it impact my business? Um, so I think where we think, you know, there might be some value add for us is to initially maybe provide some just intelligence about like, this is the market landscape for, this is the way the technology works. Um, and this is where we would utilize our, frankly, our university partners and our, you know, uh, entrepreneurial leads in the States. A great example is narrative science, for instance, uh, you know, they have a phenomenal company came out of Northwestern, um, this kind of natural language processing. I, you know, I think having uh, someone like that or, you know, and I just picked one, but there's people who have expertise in those technology areas and they can provide a little bit of that guidance sort of um, to the company to level set about what's happening before then determining, okay, well, this is how we would use that technology or this is how it might impact us. And then maybe going forward with some partnerships. So I think we're really um, focused very much on the university side of the house and how we can really better connect um, and, and at all sides, so at the tech transfer side, at you know where there might be licensing opportunities, where there's the R you know, and D partnerships happening, um, and certainly that bleeds into the talent sort of side as well. So I think just deeper inroads to universities is really where I think we we plan to focus. Um, and I'm sure, obviously, corporate innovation is going to look so so different in five years. Who knows what's going to happen there? 
So it sounds like talent sourcing is kind of an area of interest for a lot of corporations that might be an extension of some of the stuff that you do. Obviously, constantly connecting them with uh, different relationships, both on the startup and the university side. Talk to me about the the process of, of making the connection and what corporations typically get out of it besides a, a, a new product relationship, either on the talent sourcing side or there are there cases where um, they can augment their team potentially, a corporation can augment their team to help cross the finish line of a product or actually even a, even a feature perhaps? Yeah, as I think I said, I mean, they're, the outcomes have been really all across the board in terms of the actual partnerships. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of what the companies get, sometimes the process is helpful to, one, I think if they have a lot of silos in their companies, a process like ours really helps to understand how technologies really are integrated, and so they're working with other members of you know, across functional team, across maybe different areas of the company that they hadn't engaged with before. So that's one, I think, just you know, getting collaboration may be more embedded in their in their company um uh obviously and then collaborating across business units which i think again doesn't happen um sort of sort of on its own um the cultural elements of it i think depending on where the company is uh if experimental partnerships have not been part of what they've done or it's just as you said like validating a new technology maybe it's going to work maybe it won't maybe it's sort of trial and error and seeing how how it goes so i think um getting to to a place where they uh they are more maybe taking uh risk maybe isn't the toilet the right word but yeah i mean having a better view outside their their own kind of four walls about uh about what technology you know integration might look like and then yeah as you said i think clearly you know young people are flocking to cities young people are wanting to um to sort of, I think, in their own careers, think about uh, where they're headed, um, and so from a talent perspective, if you're entrepreneurial and you have a solution, and this is something where you might be able to work with a company, they may see it as bringing kind of new, new, new fresh blood in, in-house to them as well. If there's longer-term potential that way, absolutely. You mentioned that uh, it used to be the Illinois Coalition, and now you've got the science and technology piece. We've hit on it quite a bit of the technology. Um, you mentioned. Agriculture and health healthcare, I believe. Um, can you talk a little bit about the science piece of, of what you do, and, and maybe some non-tech companies that have have brought certain maybe specific science capabilities to the table for corporations? Uh, well, I'd say one. Absolutely. Obviously, the ADM one was a great one with the PIs up at up at Northwestern. Um, the one was an interesting example too. Was there's a company called Veriflow out of the Research Park at Urbana. This mm-hmm. was sort of a cybersecurity, um, very technical company, and they had um, they weren't able to talk to any customer of record because they were like NSA and other sort of. And then they were at the ADM demo day actually as well, and ended up. Uh, and ended up partnering them on one of their corn processing facilities um, out of state, actually. But I think it also um, opened the lenses a little bit, too, of just, I mean, U of I is, and we have a lot of great research universities in the state, um, but just some of the technical capabilities around data and um, and computation that exists there, um, you know, materials uh, and nanotechnology. And, I mean, there there's 
a lot of groundbreaking things happening on those on our campuses that I think do take a while to get to market. So I think the readiness level needs to be at a certain place. But I think we have found, and, and I'll plug, we, we sort of, through our Illinois Innovation Index, have done a way of re, have really put data behind what are our strengths and where we have really these research and tech competencies. So I can talk a little bit more about kind of how we've pulled pulled some of that together. Sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I mean, if, if your listeners aren't aware, we have a publication called the Illinois Innovation Index, and it came together because I think there was a lot of, again, uh, just not to say misinformation, but I think it's good to be very uh, driven by data and, and, and metrics and really the good an unvarnished look at where Illinois is as a as a region and, and as a state, um, and so what we have done is tried to sort of think about year on year what are the you know what are things that we can sort of benchmark and measure and see where we're going as a state. So the three areas that we reports that we put out um, the first is in R and D. So we look at all of the activity happening not only on the academic side. So you know what are the federal agencies that are funding us and what areas that we have strength. Um, uh, and where kind of that trends uh, trending and, and where we are relative to our peers, and then on the private side, so corporate. I mean, we had about over sixteen billion dollars of R and D um, last year when we reported. So there's you know a lot happening uh, across a lot of different sectors, and so we try to put some numbers behind. Um, you know, what is the state of play in R and D? We aren't growing as fast, frankly, as some of our other states, and that's a problem. Um, the academic industry partnerships are was one bright light that we found, and I think there's a lot more potential there. I was explaining we also have um, researchers to know, so we kind of this year featured some of the more kind of R and D focused. Um, uh, sort of uh, faculty members across the state that are doing some pretty groundbreaking work in their fields. Um, so that's just another place to sort of, you can scan it and see these kind of interesting, um, some have startups, some are just doing really, you know, kind of interesting research that has some transformative implications. So R&D is one area. The second is talent. So this is uh, actually a report we're putting out in a couple weeks. We do it annually where we look at all of the STEM degree production in the state Mm -hmm. as well as sort of the demand side. So what's been exciting in this particular issue is that um, we have set a record for our STEM degrees in the state. We've been on a really great clip the last couple years. And, again, what's nice is we can see where we've been, you know, 10 years ago and, again, where where kind of things are are going and and, and emerging and and what activities are, are driving that. Um, but computer science is is leading the way. I mean, we have or we'll have another record for CS that we're gonna CS grads that we're gonna report. Um, it's actually doubled over the last five years. Wow. Um, data science is also very uh, very strong and, and growing. LinkedIn has been a great partner actually on on some data. So on the while we have a lot of great on the supply side on the demand side, we can then also see you know where does this talent go. Um, do they stay? Do they leave? I think we want to, again, use data to sort of dispel maybe some of the myths that, like, everyone just leaves Illinois after you have a, maybe a, an engineering grad from U of I or something. Um, so we're, we're, we can kind of look and see who are the top employers, what are the skills in demand, what are some of the you know the high-growth sort of jobs in, in Illinois and, and where people are kind of migrating to and from. Um, so that's exciting. It's actually the 12th um, of December. We're going to be releasing it um, at, at, up at Arity, and we're going to have a, a nice sort of panel to discuss a little bit more. Um, and then the last area uh, that's that's also really relevant to this discussion is um, our startups coming out of universities and all the innovation happening on campus. So each year 
we do, it, it takes us a lot of effort, but it's um, well worth kind of the, the extracting this data from all the universities because it's not ever in one place. Sure. But they tell us all, this is, these are all the startups created by students and faculty on campus. And then we obviously look at the um, tech transfer side, so invention, disclosures, patents, and licenses. Um, and we look at funding raise and all of that. So what's been particularly kind of really interesting uh, in Illinois and something that just has, hasn't happened just by accident is that we have doubled the number of startups coming out of universities um, and tripled the number of funding that we've brought in for those for those companies. So it's been because of places like Polsky, which we talked about uh, you know a bit ago, um, the garage up in Northwestern, UVI's Research Park, you know IIT, Illinois Tech. Um, really, I would say universities have kind of re-envisioned themselves a little bit as thinking about all the assets they have on campus and providing just more support for students and faculty who want to maybe pursue something entrepreneurial. So I feel like, I know we're kind of a little bit older now, but it's like back in the, I mean, it didn't, it just wasn't so, you know, it just didn't, a lot of these centers of gravity on campuses didn't exist. You didn't really know where to go and it maybe happened just kind of by accident. Now it's very intentional programs like, you know, New Venture Challenge at at Booth, which is across, you know, they have like five different or six different tracks or something for undergrads and social New Venture and global. And, and I think it's just, and it isn't to say everyone's going to be an entrepreneur by any means, but I think it's really just, you know, there's a new way, I think, of, of just thinking about the world of work now and, and right. where big problems really do get solved. And I think people have the agency to, to sort of use entrepreneurship in that way. So, yeah. sorry, long answer to that, but I think the data that we've put together for us have been really, really important to have some numbers behind and data behind kind of what we do, um, but p- particularly on using that to inform some of the advocacy work that we do as well about where there are gaps. So on the talent side, there are some gaps there. Mm-hmm. There's some big gaps for females and for students of color. There's, um, I think, a disconnect to uh, in talent retention. I think there's not a perception maybe that you can, in Chicago, leap from company to company and maybe the, we don't have the big, big kind of sexy um, you know, consumer brands here, but we have a lot of companies solving some really cool problems that you know, if more, if more young people knew about, I think they would sort of stay um, so anyway, I'm getting off another subject, but I think there's the data helps us kind of get to where we where we need to go as, a, as an organization as well. Definitely, as a state paints the picture for sure. It's funny you was, you were mentioning about the the um, resources, especially you know when we were growing up. It uh, I remember at NIU I went I attended at NIU and I remember looking for an entrepreneurial class. Like I, I was kind of craving that. I wanted to. Uh, to uh, to take some some type of course and they didn't even offer it at the time and now you know a lot of major universities have uh, different courses that you can take on entrepreneurship uh, also on the technology side things have obviously gone a um, in completely new direction in terms of innovation and supporting those efforts so even Northwestern's garage is kind of great to see some of the cool things that are coming out of that. Um, can you talk a little bit about the relationship with 1871? Uh, I think I believe you've been members for. Um, yeah, we we actually were inaugural member. We were at the at the chamber before, um, and then came here when when it opened. Um, so yeah, we were kind of the or, original OG yeah. uh, 1871. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I think it's a very it's a it's a good place for us to be. Um, not only because of just all that happens outside of, of of our particular office, just because there's so much activity on the entrepreneurial side. The universities are, are obviously a lot of them are, are here who are our members and so it's it's sort of a nice 
um, you know, center of gravity for the tech world to just meet and, um, and, you know, speakers and resources. And, and I think that has, um, that has kind of overlapped a little bit with our, some of our programs. So particularly on the corporate startup that I talked about, obviously TechStars is here and Impact Engine. And, um, you know, we've gotten companies that have gone through those, those programs, uh, you know, through our process and, and have gotten them up to bat to some of the corporations. Um, so yeah, I would say overall, it's a very, it, it makes a lot of sense for us to be in a, in a place like this that has, you know, so much other activity happening in, in entrepreneurship. Fantastic. I know you all hold quite a few events, um, and to, to, part to, to help increase the networking abilities of, of some of these startups and corporations and universities and bringing folks together. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the role events plays in the strategy? Yeah, and I should say we have st- we're we don't do a lot of events. I would say our events are tied to our data. So what we typically do is when we release um, when we release new data, we use that as a mechanism to bring in thought leaders, to bring in you know all the different parties that we work with. So the university community, the business community, the you know. Uh, policy kind of public policy side. So I think that has, has been our hook to kind of bring in. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think what's, what's, uh, what's good is that it helps empower people with sort of more data and and more understanding of what is happening. So that the particular issue around our our startup at universities, we do here, actually we did at 1871 the last couple of years. Um, we had about a hundred plus people and it's turned into a day now where other, you know, partners of ours, there's an incubator network, um, that exists that EDA help fund that U of I leads. They bring all of the, because a lot of the people who run these university incubators are, are in the space or at the events, they bring them together to do a bit more like sharing of resources and sharing of ideas. Um, so I think that those kinds of events, again, that bring together groups that don't, that just don't usually kind of get together. Um, and a lot of our partners of course have great events that we help to promote as well. So our events are typically around the, the data to kind of go deeper on them. Absolutely. So if somebody was looking or listening in to, to the, the interview and they wanted to get involved with ISTC, what steps should they take? Yeah. I, I mean, we, we'd love to partner with, I know, um, you know, we have members in the two categories that I mentioned, but I think we've, we're really expanding the partnerships that we can um, develop. So I would say if you're interested in becoming a member and just some of the work that we do is of interest, um, we'd love to connect with you and, and, and learn more. I would say um, programmatically on the corporate startup side, we we don't usually kind of go out kind of cold to sort of have just startups kind of solicit info. We usually, when we're in market with a company, we'll go out and sort of advise on these are the types of areas. If you have a, you know, if your company wants to get in just our database, happy to do that um, to Dave Macheski for my team is, is sort of runs the program and meets with startups all the time and, and just sort of learns more about what's happening there. And then I didn't mention at all, which I'll, I'll plug now, I guess, is that we um, about five years ago created a C3 arm of our work. So uh, it's called the Illinois Science Technology Institute. Um, it's another fun acronym, but ISTC and ISTI. Um, and that's all focused on talent. And uh, and I, I, I remiss because I really want to say it's such a huge part of our work because the ISTI has really thought about, again, being an intermedi- intermediary to connect high schools into this sort of company or corporate kind of innovation um, space as well. So the way our programs work is we connect companies with high schools over the course of a year, uh, academic year. They present them with a very, you know, 
complex, interdisciplinary, very complex problem that the student can, can work on over the course of a year and basically come up with their own innovation around it. Sometimes it's a new product idea or a new app. I mean, we have companies, Microsoft and um, Takeda and AbV and uh, Caterpillar and Allstate's new this year. And I mean, we really run, we have some really cool, um, you know, company partners that have stepped up to do this. But I think the students are just getting, I mean, just to see at the end of this process that they, you know, are able to sort of stand before a stage and, and say, this is, you know, my idea for a new, you know, uh, med device or a, a, a new particular like uh, chat bot, which is what some of the students did last year. Um, it's really cool. So if you're interested in being a mentor, we're always looking for mentors. We have um, a, a mentoring platform called the Mentor Matching Engine where virtually you can connect with some of these students um, who are doing independent research at our high schools. We're in about 45 high schools, more than half are CPS. Um, so that's another great way to get involved um, as well. Fantastic. So we know that ISTC also advocates for funding and policies to support research and tech and innovation. Can you talk a little bit about some of the work in the areas and and what policies uh, do you think we need in place in order to... Yeah, and we think both on that from the federal and a, and a state side. So on the federal side, um, we we go to D.C. I go to the Hill about two or three times a year with a, a national group that we're a part of. So people who do what I do in other states go, and we kind of have an aligned kind of voice, which is nice um, when we kind of do the rounds on the Hill. So I would say, you know, funding is obviously very important. I think there's a lot of the for the last several years, the federal government has um, has liked to to sort of support cluster-based economic development. Um, and there's a couple of programs out of EDA's budget um, and SBA's budget that have provided some of this, you know, some of this, this fund seed funding for that. So MHUB has been a recipient. It's a program called I6. Um, uh, UI Labs has gotten some funding as well. So we have been helpful in making sure that the funding for that program is, uh, is sort of well funded and appropriated and so it kind of where there's been headwinds we've been able to increase that appropriation which has been great so we go to dc and help kind of make the case for why that program is important um immigration reform is a huge issue um and it's it's been sort of evident in our data um not only in terms of stem degree production in the states it's more than half of our cs degrees that i was talking about earlier it's it's kind of a staggering um when you look at kind of the international students in 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 the state and and um the fields that they're pursuing, and also those starting companies. So when we go to, to D.C. And, and think about, obviously, immigration reform is a uh, is a huge issue, and it's um, a, bit, a bit of a you know <laughs> a crazy kind of um, just it's gotten pulled in so many different directions. But I think for us, we want to make sure that you know that's so much it's so central to, in, to innovation and the innovation economy and, and how we um move forward really in a, in a positive way so obviously that it's an imperfect system now so i think we're trying to show just why there needs to be some strategic reforms happening that, that impact kind of the tech community um and on the state side um we have a new you know a new governor a new administration um and so with that that always comes a great i mean obviously in a great champion of tech um so i think we're excited about the things that can happen on the state side not only in terms of a capital bill so um people might be surprised to learn that um the state put money in 1871 they put money in matter in fact matter would not have happened without the state support um so i think there are some real important kind of bricks and mortar dollars that the state puts into research and and sort of innovation hubs in the state that we want to ensure continue as well um certainly there are things like the r&d investment tax credit and the angel investment tax credit that have um 
um, we sort of had to fight uh, to get them reauthorized because they had lapsed um, in the current uh, the past past administration. So I think we're you know there's ideas around that that can uh, just to make the business climate uh, more conducive for you know investment and for R and D and and particularly small uh, medium sized companies to take advantage of that. Um, and we have a few new ideas that we might be kind of uh, helping to sort of move forward of just more formalizing some of the things that you know we had talked about a bit ago about how to be, create clearer connections between um, industry and, and, and our academic strengths and startups and, and making that a bit more, you know, win-win for everyone. Right. Absolutely. Good stuff. So last question, most important question of the interview, what's the one app on your phone that you can't live without? <laughs> oh man. Good question. I might be boring. I mean, I would say ways, I don't know what I would do without ways to be honest. I, I've, I used to think I knew the city back and forth, but I, I feel like that one just, yeah. that gets me where I need to go. I don't know what I'd do with that, without that. I'm trying to think if I could think of a more interesting one. I mean, Spotify, I will say, I you know, big music fan. Yeah. And now there's a podcast on Spotify. I don't, not now, yeah. maybe the, a bit ago, but you can kind of do everything. So I, I kind of always like to plug in on my, my commute. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Well, thank you for spending time with us today. Um, is there a specific um, uh, handle or area that somebody can find you on online? Yeah, definitely. So our site is www.istcoalition.org. Um, it has all of our data. It has you know events that are coming up. Um, just a great resource if you're looking to even learn more about the Illinois Innovation um, kind of community. We have a, a deck. Um, that you can download it's it's really nice and it's updated frequently but it's just a good way to kind of educate too on just where illinois is kind of in 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 the broader scheme of things and then um yeah at, at if you're on twitter at ist coalition we're pretty active um uh, on just kind of spreading news about what our members are up to and what we're up to um so definitely find us there as well fantastic well thank you again for taking the time today and uh, we're a big fan so yeah thanks for the time i appreciate it Remember to subscribe to Unlocking Innovation wherever you listen to podcasts and be sure to rate and review. To stay up to date with EX3 Labs news and events, follow us on social media. We're at EX3 Labs. See you next time.